Do you know it? Sure, Geraci said. I eat there all the time. It was a test. He was either supposed to ask about this thing Tessio arranged, or he wasn't. Geraci had always been good at tests. His gut feeling was to be honest. But I have no idea what you're talking about. Uh, what thing? Some important people are coming from Staten Island to sort things out. Staten Island meant the Barzinis, who had that place sewn up. But if Tessio had set up peace talks with Michael and Don Barzini, why was Geraci hearing it from Michael and not Tessio? Geraci stared at the flames in his barbecue pit. Then it came to him, what must have happened. He jerked his head and silently cursed. Tessio was dead, probably among many others. The meeting place was the tip-off. Tessio loved that place, which meant that most likely he'd contacted Barzini himself and that either he or Barzini had set up a hit on Michael, which Michael had somehow anticipated. Geraci poked the T-bones with a long steel spatula. You want me there for protection, or at the table, or what? That was a hell of a long pause. Hey, sorry, I had to get some steaks off the grill here. I know what you're worried about, Fausto, but not why. Geraci sighed. Even in the best of times, I'm a worrier, so shoot me. That's why you're so good, Michael said. The worrying. It's why I like you. An hour later, Geraci arrived at two toms with four of his men and positioned them outside. He took a seat alone and sipped an espresso. He wasn't afraid. Michael Corleone, unlike his brothers, the brutish Sonny and the pathetic Fredo, had inherited the old man's deliberate nature. He wouldn't order a hit on a hunch. He'd make sure, no matter how long it took. Whatever test was coming, however galling it was to be tested by the likes of Michael Corleone, Nick Geraci would respond with honor. He was confident he'd emerge unscathed. Though he'd never heard Salvatore Tessio say a bad word about Michael, Geraci didn't doubt that Sally had thrown in with Bazzini. He had to be angry about the nepotism that made a Don out of a greenhorn like Michael. He had to see the folly of cutting the organization off from its neighborhood roots to move west and become... what? Geraci had taken over countless once-thriving neighborhood businesses, built by industrious, illiterate immigrant fathers, and ruined by American-born sons with business degrees and dreams of expansion. Geraci checked his watch, a college graduation gift from Tessio. Michael certainly hadn't inherited the late Don's legendary punctuality. Geraci ordered a second espresso. Time and again, Geraci had proven himself a loyal member of the Corleone organization, and still shy of his fortieth birthday, maybe its best earner. Once, he'd been a boxer, a heavyweight, both as Ace Geraci, a boyhood nickname that he let stick, even though it mocked him for acceding to the American pronunciation of his name, Geraci, instead of Geraci, and under numerous aliases. He was Sicilian but fair-haired, able to pass as Irish or German. He'd kept his feet for six rounds against a man who, a few years later, knocked the heavyweight champion of the world on his ass. But Geraci had hung around Jim since he was a little kid. He'd vowed never to become one of those punch-drunk geezers shuffling around, smelling of camphor and clutching a little bag of yesterday's donuts. He fought for money, not glory. His godfather in Cleveland, who was also, Geraci gradually learned, the godfather of Cleveland, 
had connected him with Tessio, who ran the biggest sports gambling operation in New York. Fixed fights meant fewer blows to the head. Soon Geraci was called on to give out back-alley beatings. The beatings punished deadbeats and loudmouths who had it coming, and earned Geraci enough money to go to college. Before he was twenty-five, he'd finished his degree, left the enforcer racket, and was a rising man of promise in Tessio's regime. He'd started out with some dubious qualities. He was the only guy hanging out at the Patrick Henry Social Club who hadn't been born in Brooklyn or Sicily, the only one with a college degree, one of the few who didn't want to carry guns or visit whores. But the best way to get ahead was to make money for the people above him, and Geraci was such a gifted earner that soon his exotic flaws were forgotten. When Michael Corleone took advantage of his father's semi-retirement, and covertly got involved with prostitution and narcotics, the businesses Vito had refused to enter. He put Geraci in charge of narcotics and let him handpick several men from Tessio's regime and what was left of Sonny's. Within months, Geraci worked some things. With the great Sicilian Don Cesare in Delicato, with the powers that be on the docks in New Jersey and Jacksonville, with the airports in New York and the Midwest, the Corleones unbeknownst to most of the men in their organization, were making as much from narcotics as anybody in America. Without that money, they could never have amassed a war chest big enough to go after the Barzinis and the Tatalias. Finally, just after nine o'clock, Peter Clemenza and three bodyguards walked into two toms and sat down at Geraci's table. Geraci took it as a bad sign that Michael hadn't come, that he sent his capo regime instead the one who'd over the years supervised the family's most important hits. Which sealed it. Tessio was dead. You eat? Clemenza asked, wheezing from the effort of the walk from his car to the table. Geraci shook his head. But Clemenza waved a meaty paw to indicate the restaurant's aroma. Ah, how can you resist? Huh? We'll get a little something. Just a, a snack. Clemenza ordered and devoured an antipasto crudo, a plate of caponata, two baskets of bread, and linguine with clam sauce. Last of a breed, Clemenza, almost literally so. The last capo Michael had inherited from his father, now that Tessio was dead. Tessio's not dead, Clemenza whispered to Geraci on the way out. Geraci's stomach lurched. They were going to make him pull the trigger himself a test of loyalty. Geraci's certainty that he would pass was no solace at all. Darkness had fallen. He rode in the back seat with Clemenza. On the way, Clemenza lit a cigar and asked Geraci what he knew and what he could guess. Geraci told the truth. He did not know, yet, that earlier that day the heads of the Barzini and the Tatalia families had both been killed. He couldn't have known that the reason Clemenza was late was because he'd first had to garrote Carlo Rizzi, Michael Corleone's own brother-in-law. These and several other strategic murders had all been made to look like the work of either the Barzinis or the Tatalias. Geraci didn't know that either, but the things Geraci had been able to surmise were in fact correct. He took the cigar Clemenza had offered him but didn't light it. He said he'd smoke it later. The car pulled into a closed Sinclair station just off Flatbush Avenue. Geraci got out, and so did everyone in the two cars that had pulled in beside them, one bearing Clemenza's men, the other Geraci's. Clemenza and his driver stayed in the car. When Geraci turned and saw them there, an electric ribbon of panic shot through him. 
He looked for the men who would kill him, trying to guess how it would happen, trying to figure out why his own men were standing by passively, watching, why they'd betrayed him. Clemenza rolled down his window. It ain't like that, kiddo. The situation here is just to... He put both palms to his jolly face and rubbed it fast the way you'd scrub a stain. He let out a long breath. Me and Sally. We go back. I don't want to think about how long. Some things a man just don't want to see. You know? Geraci knew. The fat man wept. Clemenza made very little noise doing it and seemed unembarrassed. He left without saying anything more, waving to his driver and rolling up his window and looking straight ahead. Geraci watched the taillights of Clemenza's car disappear. Inside, toward the back of the first filthy service bay, two corpses in jumpsuits lay in a heap, their blackening blood oozing together on the floor. In the next bay, flanked only by Al Neary, Michael's new pet killer and the next cop Geraci had some history with, was Salvatore Tessio. The old man sat on a case of oil cans, hunched over, staring at his shoes like an athlete removed from a game that was hopelessly lost. His lips moved, but it was nothing Geraci could understand. He trembled, but he had had some kind of condition and had been trembling for a year now. Neary nodded hello. Tessio did not look up. Neary put a hand on the old warrior's shoulder and squeezed a gesture of grotesque reassurance. Tessio fell to his knees, still not looking up, lips still moving. Neri handed Geraci a pistol, but...